Hey guys, Auk here with a new Shut Up and Write community podcast about writing known as Words Imperfect. Now, today I want to start off by talking a bit about bars. Uh, bars are kind of a very useful place in fiction. Uh, it's a good place to tell a joke. It's also good if you want to put all your characters in one spot and not really care about how they got there, why they wanted to be there, or anything actually interesting like that, and you just want them to have some sort of long, drawn-out, you know, drawn-out dialogue. Uh, all the description of bars is pretty much the same. It's loud. It's noisy. There's some mysterious people in the corner. You might even meet somebody in a bar if you want to have a contrived meeting of characters and not have to worry about, oh, for example, why they would be in the same place at the same time. They're there to get drunk. You don't have to worry about it. So today, unfortunately, we have a story that not just features a scene in a bar, which is kind of forgivable. You might want to have a situation where you have characters talking and opening up to each other and blah, 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 fine, so you're in a bar. But this one takes place entirely within a bar. It is just dialogue in a bar. So ladies and gentlemen, I must introduce to you with some hesitation our first ever story here on Words Imperfect, Buck, B-U-C-K, by Son of Bear. Now, before I get into this story by Son of Bear, uh, for anybody who's a new listener, which will be everybody because this is the first episode, here's how it works. I put up a prompt on the Shut Up and Write community subreddit, and people respond to that prompt knowing that I'm going to tear apart their writing in the most unfair, unprofessional manner possible. Basically, I'm going to be reading it like a really biased reader would be doing. Not an editor, not a pro, nothing like that. Just like, hey, here's somebody who decided to sit down, read your work as if it got published somewhere or whatever, and here's what their reactions to it would be if they're a huge jerk. If you're listening to this sometime in the future and you decided, hey, Series 1, Episode 1, great place to start, Please, do yourself a favor, skip ahead a little bit. I mean, I don't know. This is, it's going to be crap for the first few episodes. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, just skip ahead a couple series, whatever future Auk is up to, he's way better. Anybody who's listening to this in real time, I apologize in advance. So, this week, uh, or this series, I don't really know how often I'm going to be doing this just yet, but this week I had a prompt in which the authors were asked to write a story where it was from the perspective of a character that wasn't actually the protagonist or antagonist. It was some other less important character, uh, but the other people were doing the actually important stuff, like Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Everything's from Watson's perspective, right? Uh, so we'll see whether or not Son of Bear has responded to this prompt correctly, and how good his story is generally. So here we go, Buck by, by Son of Bear. 9.32, a whiskey with a splash of water. Ricky knew Buck's order, but he still waited for him to say it himself. He trudged in slowly, with his his partner, Danny Perkins, sauntering behind him with a cocky grin plastered on his face. Buck dropped himself into the well-worn bar stool that no one else would take. Alright, already we have some pretty creative uh, names going on here. We've got Ricky, Buck, and Danny, which is pretty... it's a good start. Um, I'm... Fairly impressed that Buck's ass is so incredibly, I don't know, I don't know whether I want to say firm or just impactful or, or maybe it's got some sort of mysterious, uh, capabilities of producing more heat than the average butt, but apparently he has worn this bar stool entirely by himself. I'm not sure what it's made of. That's almost a bit worrying. He might have a radioactive ass. And he's in public, assumedly. This is a bar. I did warn you that. All right, here we go. First line of dialogue of the story. What'll it be, Buck? Now, I did warn you. 
that uh, this was going to be entirely in a bar. And I did say that bars were kind of a cop-out setting with certain things that you already kind of know that are going to happen or be said. So we've already got one, you know, tick that off the list. What'll it be, character name here? Even worse than that, he already knows the drink. <laughs> here we go. Buck took off his hat and set it gently on the bar and let out a deep sigh. His body seemed to sag as the tension of the day escaped with a whoosh of air, folding up like wet paper. He pulled out a mangled cigar and lit it with a flick of a match. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm actually a bit confused. The tension of the day escaped with a whoosh of air, folding up like wet paper. The tension is like the wet paper? I'm not entirely sure. Is Buck like wet paper? I'm, I'm not really following this metaphor, to be honest. A uh, flick of a match, honestly, I don't know. Maybe, is it, is, I thought, I know you can flick lighters. I thought that matches you had to, you know, strike. Generally, you, you strike the match. It doesn't flick open and catch on fire. But uh, that's just nitpicking. Let's keep going. Well, Ricky, if it's good enough for Frank Sinatra, it's good enough for me. Whiskey with a splash. Buck's voice spoke of a life of smoking, with his and his gut showed a life of good eating. I'm not going to be imitating either of those things. He took a deep puff of the cigar and let it sit loosely between his fingers. Coming up! Oh, God. Ricky said. He pulled out the Jack Daniels and fixed his drink up quick. <laughs> okay, whatever. Buck had gotten that every day since he joined the force 20 years ago, back when Ricky was just starting out as bartender. Buck was an institution, the rock of the late-night crowd in Rick's establishment. Now, I like that line. It is a huge... Not a huge cliche. We've already covered the huge cliches. Um, but I kind of like that idea of just, hey, this person has been in here so often, he really has become a part of the bar itself. It's not the most original thought in the world, I recognize that, but I still kind of like that idea of just a person having visited somewhere so often that they become a part of what they visited. I like that description. I like it a lot more than radioactive ass melting the seat, which, you know, it says the same thing. But we don't need to hear his ass belting a seat. Okay. On the house, Buck. I, I, I quit already. Oh my god. Seriously? So we've got, um, what it would be coming up. Guess what? Your drink is now on the house. I, why does this happen so much? Fictional characters go into a bar and they never pay. I mean, I could understand it in terms of TV shows and stuff where it's like you don't want to show somebody paying it's boring why would you care but i mean it's a it's a story just say he paid his tab or something yes i understand that he's a regular and that's why it's probably on the house but i'm just i'm fighting a cliche storm here i don't care whether or not it makes sense it's whether or not i feel like i've read this 20 million times before all right bartender on the house buck i know this is your anniversary 20 years on the force today he gave the detective a smile, and when seeing no tangible response, he plowed forward. There's not actually commas there. Son of Bear, if you're listening to this, wherever I paused, you probably need a comma. Um, tangible response. Kind of a weird phrase to use. I'm thinking daredevil. I mean, I'm thinking blind guy trying to, to feel a tangible response. I understand. It's just, it's got a, tangible's got a kind of a connotation to it, where you're, touching something. Usually, it's not the most literal definition ever, but it is kind of, it, it's it's sort of, uh, it's got the connotation to it. That's what I'm trying to say. I've already said it, now I've said it twice. So, it's a bit strange. <laughs> it makes me think of this guy being blind, like sticking his fingers in the other guy's eyes and trying to figure out whether, 
<laughs> whether or not he's responding with his face, but what it's just, it's not really the best word to be using, I don't think. Uh, this is still the, yeah, we've got another Dolana dialogue, and it's still the bartender, even though it's not tagged, and he just spoke last, pa- last paragraph. So what does it feel like? He said, sticking his fingers into Buck's eye sockets. Same as it did last year, Ricky. Lack of commas. And it'll feel the exact same next year. He took a long drought, draining half the glass in one go. Sorry for the pause. There was just some strange punctuation that crept in there, and I had to navigate my way around that. Alright, so whatever. He's on the force, 20 years. Uh, Buck hasn't really accomplished anything. He keeps going to the same bar. Everything's very monotonous. I feel like that could be played with a bit more. I'm not entirely sure how yet, but the idea of somebody, you know, going through the same motions over and over and over again is, is interesting. Um, even though it sounds like they would be the most boring person in the world, it becomes, well, what's going to be different this time? You know, what, what, what's going to be so interesting about this time? Um, so anyway, that's the extent of the conversation so far. Yep. Buff took, Buck took another, another puff. I don't know why that was difficult to say. Blowing the smoke lazily out of his mouth. That bad. So, he said, the bartender says, that bad, huh? And he says, yep, that bad. Okay. Ricky gave a chuckle, and Buck at least cracked a sad smile. <laughs> this is pathetic. Ricky turned to help the next customer, Buck's young, young gun of a partner, Danny Perkins. Oh, God, young gun of a partner. When Buck first told Ricky he had a new partner, and again, I'm, I'm sorry, this is choppy because there's just not commas, and I'm not really sure which bits of the sentence are belonging to what other parts. Okay, when Buck first told Ricky he had a new partner, not comma, Ricky had asked what he was like. So now, now we're in the past. Uh, this is dialogue that happened before. Tall, handsome, and a complete ass. That was all Buck would say about him. True to form, comma, should be there. Danny tried every day to see how many women would sleep with a man wearing a badge. He also broke Buck's biggest rule of drinking that only women drank clear liquor. Okay. Danny ordered a vodka water and once receiving it turned to Buck with the same shit-eating smile that always danced on his lips. Really, I'm so sorry about the (laughs) the halted reading, but there's just not commas happening here. I didn't really think they were just that important, but today I've basically learned just how important the comma is to being able to read something. I thought I could plow on, you know, but I'm honestly, like, I have to, like, mentally add them in before I can read the next sentence. Otherwise, it's I don't know what part is belonging to which part here. Okay. So, uh, from... Uh, this is from Danny, I think. It's a bit weird. Yeah, Dan, Danny's now gonna shit on Buck a bit. So, Buck, when do you think you'll drink yourself to the point that you finally quit? Buck didn't even look at the boy, instead choosing to take another sip of his drink before responding. The phrase, instead choosing, I've actually talked about this before, I think, sometime either in the sub or something, I don't know, I feel like I'm repeating myself from somewhere, but since this is the first episode of a new podcast, I am more than free to do that. Choosing is kind of a weird word to be using. I mean, of course... He's doing this action. He's taking another sip of his drink because he chose to. I don't particularly think he's under duress right now. I I understand what you're trying to say. He did this action instead of responding, so therefore it was a conscious choice and it was not ignorance. That's fine. But because he, we're getting description that implies he is in a way reacting by not reacting. Buck didn't even look at the boy. You know, implied in response to his being a dick. 
That's fine. You don't really need to say instead choosing. Just Buck didn't even look at the boy, period. He took another sip of his drink before responding. Something like that. You don't really need to say that because it's already sort of implied through the description. Shut up, Danny, with one N. Apparently, Buck is so mad he can't even spell Danny's word. Danny's name right when he speaks. Why don't you go try to convince a woman you might actually stay the morning after? Oh, Christ. Sorry, I just... Can we get some actual characters here instead of just cliches? Danny shrugged, the grin still plastered on his face like a psychopath, and moved down to some ladies who looked like they needed company that were not described up until now. In fact, I don't know if the bar is busy. I would assume it is, since it's been here since however long this guy's been on the force. Presumably it does some good business, but we've had absolutely no sense of that whatsoever. Just, hey, suddenly, when there need to be women, there are women. Fine. Whatever. Uh, Ricky turned back to Buck, topping him off and deciding he deserved another on the house. So why do it, Buck? Uh, said the barkeep, which isn't tagged. The past five years, there hasn't been a day where you seemed like you enjoyed being a detective. Every night you drag yourself here and have a smoke and drink. I love your business, but why- what do you mean you love his business? You're giving everything to him for free. But why not do something else that makes you happy? Rick had been building up the courage to ask because he cared about Buck, and just for one night, he wanted to see him come in with a real smile on his face. Now... You've already given us a line of dialogue. Why do you need to, like, why is, why am I getting the backstory after something already happened? It's like somebody kills another, like, one character kills another character. Oh, by the way, the reason why he was glad that he killed this other character is because it killed his father sometime earlier on the story, which we didn't talk about. It's a strange order of events. And I kind of wish that it could have been brought in a bit earlier, like, when you were talking about how sad this guy is and why he's got his, ass plastered into the chair or something like that. Like, mention it. Mention that this is why something's going to be a bit different. Everything we've got up until now is, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. And that's fine because, you know, it's kind of a build-up to something being different. But here is a moment in which the story becomes different and it hasn't had absolutely no signal whatsoever. We've been in the barkeep, in, in Rick's head, this whole time. Just mention it. Like, something through the description of, like, you know, why he's about to take this leap of faith and, and ask the question, why is he still stuck in this job? It's a big moment. Don't, like, do it and then back up. It's very strange. Anyway, let's find out what his answer is. Buck dipped his head, the weight of his thoughts seeming to hold him down. I am not sure whether or not I like that sentence. Uh, seeming, for one thing, needs to kind of go away. But it is a bit, kind of a funny, kind of a funny idea. His, the weight of his thoughts is what brought his head down. He took another sip of Jack and another slow puff. Ricky was afraid he had pissed Buck off and turned to leave when Buck, the Buck's voice, the Buck's voice jumped out. Okay, uh, all I can do is take one more step, live one more day. People don't stop murdering each other because I've seen, I've been a black cloud these past five fucking years. I still have a job to do, a job I'm damn good at, and by God, I'm going to do it. Maybe one day people will be good, but until then, I've got to do it for them. That's actually kind of a cool little speech. Ricky was dumbstruck. He had expected Buck to give some sarcastic comment, or maybe just ignore the question altogether. Instead, he'd given a real answer. Maybe Buck was feeling generous on his birthday. I mean, we already kind of got this impression of what he was expecting, because before, he was already going to move away. You don't need to do the, you know, after the fact, here's what happened thing. We appreciate what you do, Buck. You men of the force keep us safe. 
Buck only nodded. He didn't speak for the rest of the night, and turned in once he was done with his drink. He left Danny to find his own ride, which eventually he did with some floozy looking for a fun night. Oh, God. Ricky later... later wow. Ricky later wish he knew that... It, it, that. Oh, my goodness, this sentence. Ricky later wish he knew that was going to be the last night he would ever see Buck. He would have said something more. Wow. Hold on a minute. Before this is almost to the end of the story, by the way. Um, so I'm gonna have to put the brakes on here. He would have said, "I did not say that incorrectly." The words "would" and "of" were typed next to each other in the story, and as a replacement for the phrase "would have," I don't have anything to say about that. I'm just sort of pointing that out. He would have said something more. Oh, God, tell him how he was a great man. Something with more meaning than what he had said before. Instead, some psycho that got off by killing kids put a bullet between Buck's eyes when he showed up at his place with a warrant to search his property. From then on, Ricky placed a glass of Jack with a splash every year on Buck's anniversary on the job. Someone else would take his place eventually, and if it was good enough for Frank Sinatra, it would be good enough for him too. With that, folks, we've come to the end of the story, and I would like to thank you if you're still listening, because that was probably the most halted reading of a story I've done in some time. Son of Bear, uh, Critique, number one, add commas, number two, other than that, I don't know, uh, the story, I actually did enjoy the concept of it. The prompt was extremely open-ended, the idea of a less important character getting the spotlight. It really did seem like the story was about... Uh, this one particular police officer. I mean, I'm assuming that it is the old on the force guy and not the extremely young guy who's supposed to be the protagonist because, uh, we get more closure about what happened to Buck. I mean, it is, after all, his story. The name is actually Buck. Then the guy who just, you know, goes around, sleeps with random women who are in the bar and does whatever he thinks his duty is. Um, so in that case, it really does seem like an actual sidekick story. Somebody who has admired what Buck has done, who's been there for him during the rough times, who cares enough about him to ask about his job. And, uh, well, that's kind of a strange way of putting it. Who cares enough to ask him about why he's still in his job? I would hope that generally anyone would at least want to know about how somebody else's career is going. But, he cares enough to ask him about why he's still there, why he seems to be rotting his life away in that stool, and has his own way of honoring him uh, that's specific to the way that he runs his bar and everything. I think the concept behind it's great, actually. I'm definitely quite impressed. I think it does end up fitting the prompt. The prompt is an extremely open-ended prompt, and you really could argue any story uh you could argue that pretty much any story either does fit or doesn't it uh, for any of these submissions, but I think it has actually uh, got the spirit of the prompt. One thing I will say, though, is that uh, after I finish reading a story, what I do is I actually I go back and listen to the podcast and uh, kind of let it settle for a little bit so I don't make a snap judgment, unlike every other thing I do in this podcast. And I have one thing I, I did want to bring up. I was actually right about the word tangible. It does mean perceptible to touch. So you wouldn't be able to have a tangible reaction to something unless you did have somebody's hand on your face or something like that. So, on that note, I think we're finished up here. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Words Imperfect. I'll be back on Friday with another story and hopefully a better podcast. See you soon. <laughs>